My name is Kate the Socialite, and you are listening to episode 226 of The Kate Show. Guys, today I'm talking to anyone who has been frustrated by a lack of results in their marketing, especially when they feel like they're doing everything right or they're doing so many things, surely one thing is bound to be successful. There's nothing more frustrating than that, right? Well, I'm going to break down the things that you should be doing, and even if you are doing them, a few reasons why they might not be working and ways that you can fix them. And no, this doesn't result in you spending tons of money or time. Actually, typically result in you doing less work. And I'm also going to explain the difference between marketing and advertising because that causes a lot of confusion. And I had no idea what that meant when I first started my business in 2014. So I often erred on the side of advertising and just shelling out money and wondering why isn't this growing my business? How frustrating, right? So before I get into all of that, I would like to give a shout out to today's sponsor, Side Door. You guys have heard me talk about Side Door a lot. And honestly, I just really believe in what they're doing because you can't just live your life trading hours for dollars. I mean, you can, but it's really hard to scale and you're going to be burned out and not very happy. Especially as an interior designer, you know that selling product is one of the best ways that you can grow your business. And if you're sick of the whole affiliate marketing thing where you make like a 3% commission every time you sell a retail product, you need to consider Side Door because you can sell trade-only products with them and earn an average commission of 30% on each sale. It's genius. And you don't have to worry about the headache of inventory, handling orders, shipping returns, or customer support. Just curate a room package, make the sale, whether someone buys just a single product or the whole room, and get paid. Side Door does the rest. You can sell each package over and over, or you could even offer a custom service that allows you to handcraft a package for each client. Either way, Side Door is a smarter way to grow your business. And you can use Side Door even if you're not an interior designer, but you do need to have some certain licenses. So you can go apply to join them by going to onsidedoor.com today. I would also like to give a shout out to our other sponsor, HoneyBook. Now, HoneyBook gave me a code for you guys if you would like to get 50% off your first year with them. I love HoneyBook. It basically automates my client process. So when someone signs up for a custom service with us, whether it's Pinterest or website design, they are sent a series of emails, proposals, invoices at certain times, along with file reminders and just all the things that I need to give my team in order to have a successful, smooth on-time project for them. HoneyBook automates all of this, and I would have to hire another person on my team to do what HoneyBook does and Asana, but that's a different story, and Asana's not a sponsor, so we're not going to talk about them right now. (laughs) But HoneyBook is definitely one of my favorite automation tools, and if you would like to try out HoneyBook for yourself, you can use the code SOCIALITE at checkout, or if you would like to use my own custom link, you can certainly go to the show notes of this episode. It's found at thekateshowpodcast.com, and you'll find their link in nearly every episode, but this one in particular is episode 226. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to those sponsors. I know that some of you are probably tempted to skip that because it's like, oh, it's another ad, but truthfully, I only promote brands that are actually helpful and make business sense for you guys in particular. I get requests from different brands to like, oh, can you sponsor this? Can you sponsor that? And I'm like, well, no, because my clients and my listeners won't find any value in that. 
So just know that I have a limited number of sponsors on the show for a reason. And I'm also super picky because I don't want to waste your precious time listening to me talk about sponsors that won't benefit you. So that's why I just have the best of the best on here. All right, let's get into it. What to do if it feels like your marketing isn't working. Marketing your interior design or home staging business should be easy and relational. My name is Kate the Socialite, and I believe in action, not just ideas. And I share strategies that have proven to work right here every week. If you're serious about growing your business in the home industry, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Kate Show. All right, guys, let's get into the actions that you should take if you feel like your marketing isn't working. Now, first of all, I need to touch on that word, feel. Because I do have some people email me, and I'm, I'm guilty of the same thing, so this is not me pointing fingers, but I do have some people email me out of the blue saying, hey, I feel like my email marketing isn't working, or I feel like nobody reads my blog posts, or I feel like my website's not getting enough traffic, or I feel like I'm not getting any newsletter signups, but all of these are just feelings and not facts. And I have been learning a lot about the difference between those two things, thanks to my amazing life and business coach, Andrea Labrosse which you guys heard on a couple of episodes back. Um, that was actually my first interaction with her. And my goodness, what an intelligent human being. I'm so glad I'm working with her. And that's why I'm bringing this to you guys, because it really applies to marketing. If you feel like something's not working in your marketing, you got to stop and figure out, is it just a feeling? Or do I actually have data or a lack of data to back up that it's not working? And are my expectations correct? Because if we are working really hard at something and wondering why isn't it doing the thing I want it to do, maybe it was actually never meant to do the thing you wanted to do. Therefore, it will always be considered a failure to you and you'll always feel frustrated and stressed and spin your wheels. So let's just take a break, break, <laughs> a breath and a break all at the same time and go look at your website analytics right now. If you don't know how to do that, there is no way for you to confidently say, I feel like I'm not getting website traffic. You have to actually know and look at the numbers. So you log into your website, you go to the analytics section. If you use Squarespace or I think Wix and Weebly have the same thing. If you're using a platform like ShowIt, I'm not really sure you'll have to maybe use a plugin for that one. But all of these websites use Google Analytics if you connect Google Analytics to them. So if you haven't done that yet, make sure that you do it because it's going to take anywhere from 30 to 90 days before you'll even have any data to look at anyway, because it's not going to show you any retroactive data. It won't show you any data that happened, any website traffic that occurred before Google Analytics was connected to your site and was tracking visits. So first of all, you have to actually know the numbers. Now let's stop and think about all the marketing activities that you are doing. Write down a list of them if you don't already have that. Because you might be amazed to realize that a lot of the marketing you're doing is actually advertising. There is a big difference between marketing and advertising. Advertising is placing an ad somewhere. You're paying for it. It's an ad. Marketing is a relationship. It's the messages that you send out, like a blog post or an email newsletter or even a social media post or a video, because it is a personal, somewhat personal interaction. But marketing is also a good way to describe networking. So networking in person, all of that is considered marketing. But a lot of us spend our time on 
advertising and then wonder why our marketing's not working. And the truth is, in order for advertising to be successful, it has to be supported by marketing. Advertising by itself will get people's initial attention, but it doesn't make the sale. It doesn't convert them. And that's not its job. So if you have a Google ad or heaven forbid, a social media ad out there. And I say heaven forbid because they just don't work for the home industry. Like they just don't. Um, No matter how much money you throw at that thing, I'm sorry, it's not going to get you more clients. Uh, But I digress. Google ads can get you more clients. They can if they're set up correctly. And I suggest you work with a Google ads professional only because, guys, not even I know how to set up a Google ad. Okay, and I'm pretty tech savvy. And I'm sure that after some self-study, I could figure it out. And after doing a lot of Googling, But the truth is, when you are looking to invest money in an advertising campaign, you had better make darn sure that it's set up correctly. Otherwise, you're going to be in the same position one of my clients was where she came to me and said, Kate, I've spent $5,000 a month for the past several months on Google ads, and they haven't brought me any leads, not a single one. Talk about frustrating and disheartening. Well, you need to have a professional set up your advertising. And then you also need to think about do I really need to run this ad? What is this going to benefit me? So whether it's a Google ad or a print ad, think who is going to see this? Do I have a way to track the results? Now with Google ads, you do. And you can do a lot of pinpointed targeting if you know what you're doing. But with print advertising, you have no way to track who sees it. And that's where you need to go to the advertiser and say, hey, please tell me about the demographics of your readers. Because if they aren't in the right location or the right income bracket or perhaps the topic of that magazine or whatever it is, is so far misaligned from what you would want to be associated with. Like maybe it's a financial magazine and you want to run an interior design ad in your financial magazine. People are not going to be of the mindset to spend money when they're reading a financial magazine. They're going to be like, oh, look at the stock market. Oh, look, I got to save money. Oh, inflation. And then they see your ad in there for interior design. and They're like, ha, yeah, right. I can't afford that or I don't want to budget for that right now. So you have to just step outside yourself and think, is this a sensible place for me to spend money on advertising? Do I have a way to track it? And will my ideal client, if they see it, be in the right mindset to contact me? So lots of things to think about, but it's worth thinking about because it's going to save you a lot of stress and money. All right. So now let's talk about the actual marketing. So obviously, we all want our marketing to work. We all want to know that our efforts are moving us closer to our goals every single day. But the problem is a lot of us are not consistent with our marketing. Case in point, I used to blog sporadically. And then I was like, well, I mean, I have these blog posts out there over the past year, I've done like six or seven, but I don't have any website traffic. I don't have a lot of new clients. So like, what's the problem here? Well, the problem was me. The problem was my lack of consistency. And then also my problem was I wasn't choosing blog post topics that made sense for you guys. So I had to completely revamp. I completely rebranded after two years of being in business. And I was like, goodbye, old business name. Hello, socialite, because I want all my clients to feel like a socialite when it comes to their marketing. And I only want my clients to be in the home industry. That changed everything. So if you are floundering in your marketing, it is probably one of two things. Either it's a lack of consistency, and it doesn't mean you have to do all of it. You can delegate it. But it's either a lack of consistency or it's a lack of focus. Like you're just trying to market to anyone with a purse. 
with a wallet, with money in their bank account. And that doesn't work because like my favorite Marie Forleo always says, if you're marketing to everyone, you're marketing to no one. So you have to think, who is my ideal client actually? Like whose problems am I really good at solving or what type of project do I really want to do? And then you can position your website to only talk about that. Now, the problem that I also see people do run into when they're like, okay, I want to niche down is they will say, okay, well, I still want to offer all these other services because like, what if somebody needs it? I don't want to miss out on the work, right? But I really want to be known for this one thing. Now, it's completely okay to be known for one thing and still offer some other services on the side. But if you try to give all those services equal airtime on your website, it will put you back in the category of generalizing, not specializing, not focusing on anything and not becoming known for anything at all, except offering perhaps too many services. So if you want to be known for window treatments, or if you want to be known for interior design consultation or color consultation, or what have you, if you want to be known for home staging, but you only work on new builds, or you only work on luxury vacant listings, you have got to talk about that on your homepage and no other services. None. You can have other services on your services page, but even on your services page, your primary flagship offering should be talked about first and the most and in the most detail. The other services are secondary. They're available, but you're not really trying to push them. It's just if someone wants it, you know, fantastic. Now, the other thing that you have to think about is there's no reason for someone to go to your website if you are not blogging. And I know that is a hard pill to swallow because blogging can feel like a beast. And I mean, depending on how you want to go about it, it totally is a beast. You could do what I'm doing right now, where I'm actually talking into my phone. I'm using the recorder app and it was already on my Google Pixel. You probably have something similar if you use an iPhone or, you know, whatever. But I then get the transcript of this and I turn it into a blog post, also known as my podcast show notes. And you can see how easy it is for me to talk right now. And I know that each one of you listening is really good at talking. You are, you do it all the time. You answer client questions all the time, or you want to. So if you have trouble blogging, just whip out your phone and start talking and then get that transcript. And then of course, there's a process of editing the transcript because you don't really want to write exactly the way you talk because the way we talk is very casual, hopefully and it flows, writing needs to be a little bit more structured and have SEO. But if the hardest part for you when it comes to blogging is the actual writing, just whip out your phone and start talking. All right. So the thing with blogging is I will sometimes hear from people who are like, I've been blogging and I'm not seeing results. I don't have any new clients from it. And they're really genuinely frustrated. And I feel bad for them because there's nothing worse than being discouraged in your business. However, I will ask them, okay, how many months have you been blogging? And they're like, two. And I'm like, okay, well, you're just getting started. And then I'll say, how many blog posts have you done in those two months? Well, three or four. I'm like, okay. I mean, that's a start. It's a drop in the bucket. That's great. But you need to understand that consistency is so important 
And blogging is not meant to bring you direct new clients. That's not how it works. I mean, how many of us, after reading a blog post, decided, okay, I'm going to go hire that person? It happens sometimes, but not very often because that's not how the sales funnel works. That's not how human psychology works. It's not how sales work. So the blog posts are meant to give Google a reason to show you in search results. They're meant to give people a reason to click through. And when you're blogging, you're naturally using the right short and long tail keywords, meaning certain words or certain phrases that people are going to Google. And Google and similar search engines, including Pinterest, will make sure that your blog content shows up in search results so that those people can go click on it and read it. But the blog post, again, is only meant to give you increased website traffic. And if you're blogging once or twice a month consistently for 9 to 12 months, you will see an increase in website traffic. Okay, 9 to 12 months. This is not a get-rich-quick scheme. It is not for a fast turnaround. It is for real and serious business owners who want to create long-term growth in their businesses. And that's you guys. That's why you're listening to this podcast still after all these years. Today's episode of The Kate Show is brought to you in part by the Window Coverings Association of America. If you're an interior designer, a window treatment specialist, or an installer looking for business growth, listen up. With an annual membership to the WCAA, you'll receive trade discounts, ongoing education, and an exclusive listing in their homeowner-facing directory of professionals, which, by the way, guys, makes it a lot easier for people to find you. Whether you've been working in the home industry forever or you're fresh out of design school, the WCAA can help you take your business to the next level, whether you're just trying to scale up or you're just getting started. Go to wcaa.org for more details. So don't get discouraged. If your blogging has not given you any results yet, quote unquote, any results, think about how long you've been doing it or not long and how many blog posts you've published. Guys, I have published hundreds upon hundreds of blog posts on my own websites. I've got two different blogs on two different websites, and that's for my own you know, branding reasons. I've got friends, like one that you guys all know, Jacqueline Edwards of Ochre and Beige. She runs a blogging studio, for one thing, and she blogs as well. And she also has hundreds of blog posts. And what she and I have both realized is that blogging has long-term effects because, yes, you have to keep doing it and you have to be consistent. But interestingly enough, some of the blog posts that she and I have both published years ago are still bringing us traffic today. So it's not like a social media post where you just put it out there and then it has a very short shelf life and then it's gone. Blogging stays out there and keeps working. And that's why it's important to keep doing it because the results or the effects are cumulative, not instant. It's kind of like working out. You have to be consistent. You have to do what your body needs, or in this case, what your business needs, and keep going at it because then one day you'll turn around and be like, dang, I look good. <laughs> or wow, my business has come a long way. And that will fuel you to keep going even further. So just keep in mind what blogging is and is not supposed to do and why you should be doing it consistently. Now, the next part of it is if someone reads your blog post, they're not necessarily ready to contact you right away, but you have a job as an entrepreneur in the home industry to grab their contact information. But the only way you can get them to hand over that very precious email address and name 
is if you give them something of value. And that's where the lead magnet comes into play. I have seen a lot of really good lead magnets and a lot of really bad lead magnets, and I have offered both myself. So a lead magnet is just a way to magnetize or attract someone to signing up with you, getting into your email marketing where they will be converted into a client at some point. But your lead magnet can't be something that is like shoddy or cheap or just thrown together like, here's a list of my favorite um, end tables or here's a list of my favorite paint colors because quite frankly, no one cares. They want to know what will look good in their space. And if you are trying to give them a list of things they can go purchase, what you're doing is actually attracting the DIYer. And it's okay if that's what you want to do. But most of you listening offer custom services. You're not looking for DIY clients. Therefore, your lead magnet needs to be more about here is how I, as a professional, will approach your project. Here is a pricing guide. Here are my rates. Here is a way that you can figure out whether we should work together because I'm going to show you my process and just walk them through it. Your lead magnet doesn't need to be really long. It could be a PDF of anywhere from like four to six pages, nine pages even. And the last page of your lead magnet should include a call to action. So here's how you get in touch with me. Here's what you can expect next. And put in that contact information. You don't have to send them all the over to your social media channels because you don't want to lose them at that point. You want them to say, all right, here's where you book a discovery call with me. Let's talk in person even. That's what a lead magnet is supposed to do. Now, they may not take any action yet. That's okay. Because when they sign up for your lead magnet, they will need to also get a welcome email from you because they need to get used to hearing from you and knowing about you. So that's where it comes into place. Your email marketing should happen once or twice a month and should be consistent. Because again, you don't get clients directly from blogging. You don't get clients directly from your lead magnet. One thing is just feeding into the next. The blogging feeds into the lead magnet. The lead magnet feeds into the contact list. The contact list is for your email marketing. And that is why your email marketing has to be structured, intentional, and not talk about all sorts of different things. There are, <laughs> okay, this is like so frustrating for me, but there are people out there they're in the design industry and outside of the design industry who will say email marketing doesn't work. And that is such a fallacy at this point. If you've listened to even my last episode or the one before that, you know that that's just a sign of ignorance. Like I'm just going to go out there and say it. It's a sign of ignorance to say email marketing doesn't work because there's so much data showing that it does and it's far more effective than anything else. So email marketing will not work for you if you're inconsistent, you hardly ever email your list, if your topics are more like journal entries, if you have no call to action, if you don't even know who your ideal client is, therefore you don't know what to say that will interest them. And all these things play a part. If you are shoving tons of photos or no photos into your email marketing, if you're sending it the wrong time of day, the wrong day of the week, it's going to affect your open rates. And that's why you have to approach it intentionally. You talk about one piece of subject matter. Maybe it's a kitchen refresh. That's the whole newsletter. That's all you're talking about. A few different things that go into a kitchen refresh so that people will start to think, hmm, I need a kitchen refresh. That's a good idea. That seems really attainable. And then at the end of the newsletter, there's a book a call button. 
people can book a discovery call with you. And then you get to talk to them, listen to their needs, and get them signed up with you. That's just how it works. If you feel like your marketing is just not working, go back and look. Do you have consistent blogging? Do you have a lead magnet that's properly aligned with your client? Do you have email marketing that is intentional? If you don't have all those things, then no, your marketing is not going to work. But this is good news because then you can just go and see, okay, where are the gaps in my marketing? Let me go fill them. And then you can just work on being consistent and you will see results. Now, there are certain situations where people are like, okay, but nobody's opening my email newsletter anymore. Well, a couple things. First of all, go back to your lead magnet. Are people signing up for it? If not, maybe you need a different one. Second of all, are you sending content that's still aligned or are your contacts just tired of hearing from you? That is very possible. So what you can do in that situation is archive some of the people who just never open your emails because, hey, they don't want to hear from you. It's okay. Nothing personal. But then focus on getting more contacts. And this is a thing that bugs the heck out of people because they feel like they need to have a certain number of contacts. They often come to me in shame when they're like, I only have like 100 or I only have 50 or whatever. It's like, well, there's no shame in that. Actually, I've seen people get clients with only 12 contacts on their mailing list. And that's okay. Uh, It's amazing, actually, because the only one who knows how big or small your mailing list is, is you and well, us, if you're working with us, then that's totally fine. And that's why I can tell you confidently, the size of your list really doesn't matter. What matters is the quality of it. So if you've got people on your list that you haven't talked to in ages and you're not going to get results from it, like that's just what it is. But if you have people on there who are your built-in cheerleaders, like friends and family and past clients who've really loved working with you, or if you're new, then of course it's a little bit harder and that's okay because building a business is hard, okay? Marketing when you're new is hard. Please don't expect it to be easy. You'll be drastically disappointed. If you are brand new, you can still put friends and family on your mailing list. And then your job is to do a lot of boots on the ground, networking, meeting with people. Now that leads us into the next point. Networking offline is an art that a lot of us are finally starting to remember again. And I think that COVID had something to do with that because we all got so burned out from the digital world. I know I did. Good grief. Done with it. I would prefer never to be on another Zoom call again, to be honest. But offline networking will grow your business faster than anything. Because how many of us have made a purchase or hired someone because our friend or family member recommended them? Every single one of us has done that at least 15 times. Like that is the stamp of approval that we all need before writing a check or swiping our credit card. So when you can meet with someone in person, it doesn't have to be a boring cocktail hour where everyone's just trading business cards and going home because that's actually super lame. But if you can consider networking any personal interaction, such as going out to coffee with someone, maybe you talk business, maybe you don't. Maybe the only thing you say is, oh, what do you do for work? Oh, I do this. And that's it. That's fine. And then you go talk about something that's personal or you're interacting with the other parents at your kid's sporting event, or you're volunteering somewhere, or like whatever it is, going for a walk with the neighbors in the morning. You don't have to be like, I'm an interior designer and I do this. You want to sign up for a consultation? (laughs) Because that makes most of us feel awkward anyway. 
a lot of people have asked me, like, can you help me craft an elevator pitch? And I was like, well, first thing is take all your notes up for your elevator pitch and put it in the shredder because it doesn't matter. Nobody wants to hear an elevator pitch and no one wants to give one either. We just want to be real people. And that's why when people ask me what I do for work, I kind of analyze the situation. I'm like, well, they're not a potential client, so I'm not going to get too involved. I'm just going to say I, I run a marketing agency and they're like, oh, okay, whatever. If they are a potential client, then I say, I actually work with the home industry. I run a marketing agency and that's it. I stop. I don't say, do you, how's your marketing? Do you need any help? Because ugh, nobody wants that. Like nobody. So it's more of a, yeah, here I am. This is what I do. I run a marketing agency for the home industry. I have two kids. I have a husband. I have a dog who thinks he's a human. <laughs> and that's pretty much me. And then if they want to know more, they will ask. But I don't just volunteer it. Now, that's networking, actually. Because it's me being a real person, me talking to people, me showing up. And I leave it at that. I don't put any more pressure on myself. I used to. I used to feel like I had to have the exact right thing to say. And I had to go to all the networking events at the Chamber of Commerce. And I had to do all these things. And you know what? All that did was waste my time. So it doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. It's really not a valuable thing to do. And maybe you just want to go for fun. That's fine. If it's fun, then do it. People will be more attracted to you if you are having fun. But if you're there and you hate it and you're feeling awkward and uncomfortable, people are going to feel awkward and uncomfortable being around you. It's just weird, isn't it? Like we teach people how to treat us. So don't worry about it. Just don't go. But go out for coffee with someone. Use your, you know, your life built in opportunities to connect with other people. And if they ask you what you do, you can simply tell them and that's it. So guys, marketing can be simple, but the biggest struggle that people have in marketing is being consistent and then also being patient. And it can be really hard. I know that I'm not a patient person either getting more patient the longer I have children, <laughs> but, but it is a struggle. So I want you to make a list of everything you're doing for your marketing and then everything you're doing for your advertising. With advertising, you should hopefully be able to track if you're getting any results. And a Google ad should send people to your website. Your blog posts and your lead magnet should help capture that person's information. And then your email marketing should take over. So you can't just swap marketing for advertising and say, there, I've got a sales funnel because that's not the case. But I want you to make a list of what you're doing in each of those categories. And maybe you're not doing any advertising. That's okay. You don't have to. I don't do any advertising, like at all, actually. <laughs> I just do marketing. I don't advertise my own business. With marketing, make a list of everything you're doing. And then look at how one thing feeds into the next. If it's not feeding into the next, then you got to stop doing it or change something. The big thing that I see a lot of people struggle with is social media, by the way. So we're going to end on this note. And the more really successful designers, stagers, and organizers that I talk to, the more I keep hearing over and over again that they don't get clients from social media. Now, maybe you do, but I can count on one hand the number of people who've told me they actually get clients from social media. And a lot of those same people will then follow it up with, and they weren't the best clients or those were really small projects. And I actually prefer different projects. So you got to just keep these things in mind. <laughs> Take the pressure off of social media. I don't have anything against social media as a thing if you use it for socializing. But a lot of people take a social tool and think it should become a sales tool. 
And that's just not how that works. That's like picking up a flat iron for your hair and then being like, why isn't this thing washing the dishes? Like, I don't get it. This is so ridiculous. I must be doing something wrong. <laughs> and maybe we're just thinking about it wrong. So figure out where the gaps are in your marketing and get them filled so that you have peace of mind. You shouldn't have to worry every single day if your marketing is working. Just think about how much creative energy that is draining from you when you do that. You could be using that to make your life better, to serve your clients better, to work on some internal processes. There are so many things you could be doing other than worrying about your marketing. So guys, you know where to find me if you need help with marketing, but I also know that a lot of you, all of you, are fully capable of doing this. Whether it's doing it yourself or delegating or outsourcing or whatever that looks like for you. So that's what I have for you today. And I want you to just chew on it for a while. And until next time, keep your marketing simple, your message clear, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Visit us at thekateshowpodcast.com where we empower home professionals with marketing confidence.